Yeah, this is Mike. Hey, Mike, it's John. Oh, hey, John. We're, we're recording the, uh, the film photography uh, podcast. What's up? Uh, not much. I just called to say, Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody! <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Thank you, John. Oh, that's very nice. So even though I'm not there, you know you're all in my heart. Oh, even you want Dow Dow. Hey, he's not here. Oh, he's not. Nope. Oh, good. Screw that guy. Leslie and Mark and my grass show. Yeah. Leader. Happy New Year. As Dick Clark would say, <laughs> if he could. He would say if he was still lit up. Right. Still lit up. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about darkroom stuff. Ah, okay. Very good. All right, well, you guys continue to carry on. Uh, I wish I was there. Thank you, John. Okay. Love you, John. Bye, John. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Hey, everybody. hey, everybody, this is Mike Rosso, Film Photography Podcast. Yes, it is 2018. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. Wow. But then again, you know, it coincides with some good years. You could say, oh, how many years ago? You know, 1978, 2018. How many years ago was 1978? 40. 40. 40 years ago. would be like, oh, it was 40 years ago. I was at that Boston concert. <laughs> It was Boston, uh, Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush, Pogo, and oh, Todd Rundgren. Timothy B. Schmidt. That's, well, I don't know if he was in that band then. Oh, maybe not then. I'm yeah. kind of into him right now. Oh, is that right? I am. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yeah. odd? Yeah. Still hits the high notes, but showing his age. It's a new year. It's fresh. Like, do you feel, how, like, do you feel the, fresh, Thank goodness. the freshness of the air? I do. Never wish yeah. a day away, but I'm kind of glad 2017. Fresh. 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 It's a Risk. fresh year. And it's a time when, I don't know if these days people are like, Oh, my New Year's resolution. Blah, blah, blah. Great. You know, make a little list of some stuff you want to do this year. Like, let's say you've never processed your own color film. Let's say you never processed your own black and white film. You can do it. You can do it! Let's say you never... Uh, printed anything because you're like, oh, I don't have an enlarger. Well, you know, you can do what's called contact printing. Mm-hmm. You could look that up, or we'll maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. You put your ne- slap your negative under a piece of glass with a piece of photographic paper, not inkjet pe- paper. Yeah, big photographic guy. paper, and use a light bulb. Leslie's looking at me. I roll. I roll. Well, anyhow, you folks probably want to know who's here. Well, yeah. John Fidelli's yeah, yeah. not here, as you know. Mark Dalzell is not here. Dane Johnson is not here. So who's left? Matt Mirage. Hey. Mark O'Brien. Hey there. Leslie Lazenby. Hello, my lovelies. Oh, yes. And Michael Rosso. That's me. We're here for an exciting new year. We have lots of topics, lots of things to talk about. We're very, very excited to be here for another year. Another year of film photography. 
This is the year. <laughs> Matt, What's this, this the year of? This is the year of E6. <laughs> yes. Three, years, run, three years running. <laughs> three years running. Well, the big news, of course, is that this year, the Kodak mm. Ektachrome. 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 We'll be making a comeback. 35 millimeters, certainly. Mm-hmm. Super 8, certainly. Do you know, what are their formats? Do you know? Uh, the uh, 120, oh. they better. <laughs> oh, you don't know if they're doing 120. I know, but I don't. But like, I mean, they're I'm, cut, pull, no. I'm pulling for it. I mean, they're they're like you know painting that emulsion on that exactly like mile long wide stuff. Yeah, cut us the size. I'll cut we it need. for you. Right, that's right. Cut it. That's you found right. your scissors, Mike. I did. Go to Rochester, God. crank some film out. Exactly. So that's pretty exciting news. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about some like dark roomy type things. Yeah. And a lot of these things are like practical things, like you know what to use to preserve your negatives. Uh, what other dark roomy things? Oh, safe light. Yeah. What you know? Most people think that you know a red. Maybe you can go to the party shop, party store, and get a red bulb, and that's your safe light. Ooh. Let's talk. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk. Yeah. What other topics? Safety in the dark room. Yes, chemical safety. Yeah. Chemical safety. We're talking about some new products. From Joe Mama Besser. I invested all our money in consolidated Fujiyama, California smog bags. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, well, let's get into a letter. I gave them all away. Uh-oh. I'll do this one since Matt's futzing. Oh, all right. Dear FPP, I am so... I'm pretty sure this was directed at me. Dear FPP, I'm so glad to have found you. I got many exciting, enjoyable, adventurous, and memorable years out of use of my 35mm Pentax Spotmatic. I'm shipping it to you today. May it bring similar sense of discovery to someone new. Mark Rosen, New York City. Hey, Mark. You don't know how far that camera's going to go again, which is pretty darn awesome. Yeah. But thank you, Mark. And that's Mark's whole letter. Yep. We have some, uh, some very thankful professors who are teaching kids how to use film cameras, and they are very grateful. Mm-hmm. So those cameras are going to go and go and go and go. I have a letter. All right. Dear Michael Rasso. Okay. I applaud the work that you are doing to the FPP. There must be millions of unwanted film cameras around the country, and I think it's great that you are providing a method of putting them to some use. The enclosed cameras belong to my father, who passed away last year, so I can't attest as to how well they work. I think it may have been a while since they were used. Hopefully you can still put them to some use. Regards, Regina O'Shaughnessy from San Francisco, California. Very nice. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. we, we do receive quite a few letters where it's a husband or a, f- a dad who passed away, mm-hmm. and it's kind of heartwarming. I think so, yes. Rather than these cameras being just thrown away or given to goodwill. or I mean, we put them to great we use. We do. So that's, that's really awesome. Would you, what would you guys like the first topic to be? Can I talk about some film? Yes. Just so happens, I had a couple rolls of this from the FPP store, and I finally got around to shooting some last fall. Kodak 2366. ISO 6. Love it. Oh, that's reasonable. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's hand-holdable on a sunny day. Mike Rosso hand-holdable. Not well, I, 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 I did some shooting with it handheld. Yeah, This so is a I. slow, slow. film. It's how slow is it? It's so slow 
The, I made a guy on a moped look like he was going sixty miles an hour. <laughs> so what's a nor- what's a normal like just for people listening? What's a, a no- average ISO? An average ISO, an average low ISO today would be a hundred. Yeah, hunch. And people typically shoot four hundred ISO for a lot of films. And so it used to be back in the day, you would easily find twenty five ISO, thirty two ISO with pin atomic X, fifty ISO film from Ilford. And these are pretty slow films, and so generally you would want to put them on a tripod if you were shooting in other than bright sunlight or wide open. And that's the beauty of these films is that it does allow you to shoot wide open with your camera so you get the maximum amount of light and the lowest depth of field on a sunny day. Now you can't shoot at wide open, let's say, with an f1.4 in the in blazing sun with your camera because the shutter speed is going to have to be way higher than most cameras will go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or you put a neutral density filter on or something like that. But it allows you, an, a really low ISO film allows you to do things you might not otherwise think of. This is easy to develop film in D76, one-to-one for eight and a half minutes. I got good results from it. It's a specialty film. Kodak made a lot of films that were used in the cinema industry that weren't necessarily... They are used in the cinema, but they're not necessarily movie films. They were used for doing titling. They were using for making copies from, from negatives, so you have a positive copy. And when they make these positive copies, they're using bright arc lights. And you can have a really slow film, but it has it's very low grain, which is what you want. This is a blue-sensitive film. Okay. chromatic. The thing is... You also would say, well, how low can I set my ISO and my camera at? So mm. most cameras, eh, 12 to 20 is the typical low, but there's a lot that are out there. Maxims, uh, the autofocus Nikons will go down to ISO 6 quite easily. EOS. And the EOS, EOS. as well, yes. So if you've got an AF camera and you can manually adjust the ISO to 6, you're all set. And if not, you can use exposure compensation dial to achieve the same mm-hmm. purpose because 12 may be as low as it can go. And then you, you basically want, to, you want one stop more exposure, and that's what you would set it at. I know I talked earlier about the N8008 episodes ago and the F100, and they can certainly do ISO 6 and as well as the EOS cameras. With such a low ISO, you probably should use a tripod to eliminate camera shake. But you, because other things are moving, you may have blur as well because, again, it's a, it's a, it's a slow film. And it's, it was designed to produce black and white positives from black and white negatives. And, of course, this film will have full tonality because of that. Um, shooting a real scene, though, will render reds much darker because it's a blue-sensitive film. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was in Ann Arbor one day, and I, I, had a, I put a roll of this in my camera, and I walked around and took some shots. And, uh, and I had a blast. I shot... Pretty much uh, at f2.8, f1.4, somewhere around in there, maybe f, uh, f4. And uh, I was going down the street, and I stopped, and I saw there was a whole line of people in mopeds and small, you know, they're, they're basically, they weren't really full-blown-on motorcycles, but you know what I'm talking about, scooters. And it was about 30, 30 of these people. And I go, oh, what's going on? So I was there with the camera, and they started going. I, I panned and snapped a couple of frames as they were moving. And when I developed the negatives, I go, wow, this is great, because the, black, the background is blurred, so it looks like they're going quite fast. In fact, they're only going like about three or four miles per hour. 
but it looks like they're going about 30 miles an hour. Because of the slow film, I had to have a slow shutter speed and panning with them. So I'm, I'm panning at about 1 15th of a second at most and keeping up with them. So it's, uh, it gave me a great effect. And I thought you wouldn't get that effect if I've been shooting it. ISO 400 film because they're going too darn too darn slow to get that background really blurred really well because mm-hmm. I have a, a much faster shutter speed. So that's a use you can use a film like this for something you may not have thought about. And if you have motion and image, a slight motion, this may give you the effect of having a greater motion, which could be an artistic effect if you want to tr- if you choose to use it. Overall, things that were like red bricks came out much darker than they typically would. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was a fun film, and I, you know, want to try something different. Try the Kodak twenty three sixty six. Very nice, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, this is a film that uh, I cut. I cut down from uh, one thousand foot rolls because it's cinema film. Yeah. It's not right. designed right. to be shot in a camera. Right. Uh, so I cut it down to hundred foot manageable rolls, and you could buy it in hundred feet, or you could buy it in twenty four exposure rolls, and it's hand rolled. And it's kind of, as you've said, it's kind of a f- different film to go out and have fun with. What type of developer do you use to develop it? Oh, well, I just used standard D76, d- diluted one-to-one, and I did it for eight and a half minutes, and I got good results from it. Oh. And I'm if you look it. online, you can probably find other, other recipes right. oh, as well. Wait, Leslie, I think Matt has a question. Yeah, question. Uh, so if it's like a cinema copy film like that, do you have to pre-wash it or anything does it have any of the the weird dyes or anything in there it has a yellow dye it had a yellow dye but i didn't pre-wash it oh, you didn't pre-wash no it? okay no kidding when, so when you poured your developer back in your bottle it no I, I just diluted one to one this is oh, one drain. shot one okay. shot yeah I, I i use either caffeinol or i use d76 straight up i do a pre-wash mm-hmm. and, and you get uh some delicious yellow i always wonder if the ones that aren't made for being put in camera still have that or not so that's it yeah, it's yeah. delicious yellow. But don't don't you guys always pre-wet? No, I always go, I always do. I yeah. always pre-wet. Always at least always. at minimum least two minutes. Minute. Oh, you're so, minimum two. I really but do. I've done this in Xtol. I think I have as well. Uh, one to one, and I get ASA twelve out of it. Oh, ooh! And it's really quite a delicious looking film. Ten minutes, sixty eight. Nothing real long, but. Um, it's it's a fun film. It, it isn't is a it? fun film. I, I mm-hmm. was really pleased. It's it's very fine grained. Yes. Very fine. A little snappy. Very snappy. Yeah. It's not as contrasty as films that were not made to be full range grayscale right. like Tech Pan. Um, although it'll give you full full tonal range, it's a very contrasty film. Um, it is a contrast. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but with uh, this film, I I felt it was I got really nice. Um, images out of it. You would shoot. You would shoot it again. Oh yeah. Thank you, Mark. I, it might be my favorite for an ISO six film. It might be my favorite one. Oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Have you tried any of the other? Yeah, I have, and they all have different right. attributes that lend them different looks. Have you tried the new formula lavender Schmina blue sensitive? I don't think I have. Okay. Okay, well, before you uh, head back to Ann Arbor, perhaps I can give you some films to test out. Okay, cool. It'll be fun, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know me. Uh, do we have a letter? Uh, yeah, let's see. It's from Steve Hunt, pronounced Steve Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, gang. I've done it. 
I've listened to every podcast. Wow. It's taken quite a while, but in annual blocks, I've listened to every podcast, and I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed them. I was fully wedded to the digital way of doing things until, I think, I read about you all in Amateur Photographer Magazine in, yes. the, U- in the UK, and I thought I Tony would give you a listen. Tony Kemplin gave us a plug. Look at that. That's faux nice. Tony. Yeah. Best decision in a while, by far. I've got gas, of course, and have refurbished my refurbished my oh my twenty first birthday present, a Pentax ME Super, which I'd almost forgotten about. I bought at least half a dozen old film cameras, which I would have never done in the past when I was shooting with film. Your podcasts have been gr- a great companion. While well, I've scanned all my old negatives on my V seven hundred, yes, very which nice. brings me to one of the real reasons for contact. All right, let's see. Some of the negatives I've scanned suffered as a result of a messy. Oh, <laughs> you can read it. All right. As a result of a messy divorce, and are very <laughs> creased and often rolled into tubes. Is there a good way of recovering them onto a flat plane? I don't suppose I'd be able to just get out the crease marks of the negatives, but it'd be nice to get them flat again. Just re-listen to podcast number one sixty-six and have to say, don't you dare get rid of the sound effects. There he is. You hungry, T? You want to send the kid for my job fresh? Mr. Brown. E6. Mr. Brown, after the Costco face. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah. No one I know. There's no chance. No chance. No one I know understands me when I suddenly break into. Breaking news. C41. Or the Charles Bronson dead. It means no more missing those once in a lifetime pictures because your flash gun batteries are dead. <laughs> it's been great listening to all the old podcasts and listening to the present day regulars being introduced in casual interviews. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's from Steve. Steve Hunt. Steve Hunt. A little suggestion for Steve Hunt and his messy divorce, curly negatives. The creased ones. That's a great film name, actually. <laughs> messy divorce, film negatives? No. Messy cr- divorce? Creased, creased negatives. negatives. Yeah. Oh, crease, the creased negatives. Hi, we're the creased negatives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who has a camera? Anybody have but, a camera? But, but creased, oh, I'm sorry. Crease negatives. <laughs> what does that mean? They've been folded. Oh, it's got like a dimple. And oh, is he, does he is he alluding the fact that maybe he was out one day and his wife like packed up some of his stuff and just could be. folded his negatives like into a book or something? And there's no, they're those, that's permanent. Oh, they're aft, not aft. Well. They are. You can backfold them a little bit or tape them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going to have to digitally retouch that out yeah, or just deal with that because it's the plastic base that has yeah. been creased. Yeah. The gelatin itself is technically fine, but. It's on a plastic base that's... All right, I'm not going to get nerdy about it, but it's been creased, so... Now, the ones that are rolled and put into a tube absolutely drive you nuts when you get that. Mm -hmm. Get them out, back roll them, put them back in the tube. It's rolling backwards. Roll them backwards, come back in a few days and like, bang! They just like (laughs) flatten out. It's great. What about if it's trapped in a canister for decades? Same thing. Just leave them in there a little while. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, so that's a little more salvageable and easier to deal with because you lose your mind if you try and thread one of those curly negatives Mm -hmm. into one of those V700 or equivalent holders. Holders, yeah. That is testing. My gosh, that's testing. That's (laughs) film sweats on the dry side. Now you know why I don't scan 35. There you go. Do we want to talk about something dark roomy next? Since we're there in the dark room. Yeah. yeah. We're messing around in the dark room. See what develops. <laughs> what do we got? All right, you're not going to believe this, Mike. Yes. Remember uh, a few months back, 
Uh, I brought by this this blast from the past, Joe Mama Bessler. Yes. Making. <laughs> oh, the timer. Yes, Bessler brought back that timer, but didn't bring it back. They brand new product. Uh, it's received a lot of really neat reviews. I've had uh, a couple of darkroom buddies of mine test it out. A lot of alt, a lot of thumbs up for alt process that sort of thing. Well, the fine folks at Bessler, uh, Vicky over at Bessler, uh, sent me some other fun toys to check out, re- test out, and review, and some new and larger lenses. No way. So this little wow. guy, this is their new eighty six fifty. It's a fifty uh, nifty fifty f three point five comes with a little retaining flange. If you have mm-hmm. a Bessler and larger twenty three c sixty seven forty five wow. anything with that flat plate and threaded, so thread right on. Great. Do I don't not need a jam nut. Uh, or cor- do need a jam nut. Of course. Oh, jam this nut. is beautiful. And a larger is uh, the device you use to make a print. Yeah. So for po- folks listening, you'd put your negative in like a sandwich, which I call like a holder. Carrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, carrier. Carrier. Yep. And it slides in. It's under the little stage. The little stage. And above it is a light source. A light source. source and either, either some way to kind of intensify that light, like a condenser, or it uses a diffusion light source, like a fluorescent tube or an arc tube or something like that. And then it goes through the lens. It goes the through lens. a lens so it's that actually like, has f-stops on it. Yes. And yeah. you have to focus it. And you have to focus it, and you have a timed exposure. That's why you have that enlarging timer wow. on there. So it's it's the same prospect as what you're doing when you make an image, but you make a very, very nice exposure. Leslie, you have some comments about the lens. No. Will you tell us why these come in different millimeters? Oh, because... Will you be getting to that? Yes. Great. Yes, because Good. I have... It, it looks confusing to some people. It does. I also have here a 75 millimeter, also... This, this is a 50, the first one. Also a f3.5, which is kind of rare for a lens of this nature. Mm-hmm. This one is a 75. This one is for medium format negatives the the 50 the little adorable uh, size guy that is for 35 millimeter negatives zzz. 50 millimeter is of course the standard focal length for 35 millimeter 75 is closer to a standard focal length for medium format so this will be good for 645 6 by 6 negatives if you go larger than that though you might need a longer lens like right. a 105 110 even a 120 lens for that uh, but this, I've actually tested out both of them on uh, on the, a Bessler four by uh, forty five XL, okay. the VXL. It was sweet on there. The negatives, even wide open. Most times, I look at stuff enlarged, wide open. It's it's great for focusing, not for much else. These lenses are tack tack sharp all the way up and down. They don't have that typical they- little that little switch that allows you to kind of see. What well, f-stop you're on, but aside from oh, that, yeah, the they are beautiful to use, even wide no, open. No, but if but you can get the lens board that has it in. Yes, yeah. yeah. So. Bessler had one of those too, which they still make that stuff new, which is crazy. And now they have these bra- these great new lenses. But most of the time, with especially with the medium format, they're usually like a four or a five point six, nice bright f three point five. So focusing is, is so so easy, and they are just sharp sharp. I even printed some Holga stuff with these, and I was like, whoa. It's pretty sharp. Making these for them, I don't know. They're not cranking these out themselves. No, but um, I don't know much else on them, pricing or anything wise. But 
they tested very, very, very nicely. So does this go with brand new enlargers, or give me, or what would be a reason for replacing a lens on your enlarger? Fungus, fungus, no among us. Way. Somebody, pull, somebody pulls, uh, you know, Aunt Linda pulls it out of her basement or her yes. closet, and there's, you know, everywhere we store stuff for photography that we're not using, um, unless we were brought up the right way and we have it in a, you know, hermetically sealed container or cabinet or something, it's probably in a lot of moisture, a lot of darkness, that sort of thing. Perfect breeding grounds for mold. You pull out one of those old lenses, they just feel small, cheap, and plastic. These are like killer, killer lenses. Yeah. Nice to see a, mo- a modern design Brand new from, lens. again, an American company, Sweet. Bessler in Stroudsburg, PA. Oh, very nice. So uh, that's about as American as you can support. Great folks. And they sell new enlargers. Brand new enlargers, yeah. That's why I think they, they like us, because we, we just helped fit out, uh, outfits. Um, we'd mentioned him on FPP before, uh, photographer Elliot Dudick. He heads up the program at uh, College of William and Mary uh, down in Virginia. His darkroom is all bestlered out, four by fives, brand new. It's crazy. Wow. And if an FPP listener just wants to start a home darkroom, they sashay into Midwest to see you. I mean, do any individuals come in and say, hey, I, want, I need an enlarger? Uh, well, if they do, we usually have some in the back we can give somebody. Oh, okay. Like, my, my mantra, and maybe this isn't good for a bestler, but like, I always tell, like, don't pay for an enlarger. If you're going to pay for an enlarger, get a bestler because Bessler still makes the carriers, the plates, the lenses, the retaining rings. They still make all that stuff new. No other company does that. Everything else is hack job, third party, or 3D printed. Well, very good. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Best. Now, since we're talking about negatives and you know negatives, putting them in a a carrier. This and is a super positive podcast, Mike. Print, print, yeah, <laughs> it's printing. Uh, right in front of you, you have print oh, file. Yeah. Which uh, recently the FPP online store I brought in thirty-five millimeter mm-hmm. slide one twenty four by five. Great. What is it? So print file are kind of the go-to. If you are a student, you already know what these are. Uh, if you're a film photographer who likes seeing your stuff years from now, also you probably know what these are. They're archival print preservers. Uh, so they have, they're an archival, no PVC plastic in them. They're safe for long-term storage. You put your negatives in there. Assuming you fix and fix remove them properly, your negatives are not going to outgas in here. And it's going to, you can... <coughs> Pop it in a shoebox, pop it in a binder. They're spiral bound. Okay. Or, or, sorry, they're punched, so you yeah. can put them in a spiral. Um, and they're, yeah, they're ready to go. Most of my early stuff, which, oh my gosh, I could say almost almost 10 years ago, uh-huh. I can look back on a lot of my stuff. Was Professor Jeff made sure they were in print files. You wouldn't get an A on the project if they weren't. Mm-hmm. And they still look good. You can label these. The cool thing about print files is if you do contact prints, you write using like a nice uh, opaque sharpie on there. When you do the contact print, you'll also see the information <coughs> for the negative on there. Oh, very nice. They're mm-hmm. they're just necessary. Yeah. And uh, let's say you're developing your own film, and you develop it, and then you do a wash, and then you don't use the fixer for amount, a proper amount of time. You mentioned putting them away, and they quote unquote gas out in your print file. Oh, that's if you didn't get the... There's a lot of bad things that can happen if you don't completely remove fixer. Yeah. But oh, if you don't completely remove the fixer. Remove the fixer, mm-hmm. yeah, because the fixer's just going to keep on going to work. Yeah. Oh, it'll just fix it. It'll fix it. Well, it'll you'll get like these these orangey kind of mm-hmm. stains, some some like tarnishing that'll go on in it. and Over... Fi- 
negatives that didn't get washed and just have fixer on them, bad. Correct. Yeah. And it's not a print file problem. It doesn't matter what your it's enclosure is. It's a negative right? problem. It still happens, yeah, whatever but, the enclosure is. But you how, could, oh. so. how many minutes after you f- do your fix do you need to wash your negatives? Oh. It depends. You could use, <coughs> if you don't use fixer a while, or if you don't use fixer remover a while, if you use hypo clearing agent or, or wash aid. Got the times in my head. Do it. 30 minutes to an hour. Whoa, 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 whoa. Water? Yes. Without. Running water yeah. without a wash aid, which Ilford makes one. I love permawash. Mm-hmm. What that about? Is, permawash is an archival, and it's 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, or one minute, one minute, one minute. That being 30-second wash, and then one minute or 30 seconds in the permawash or mm-hmm. the hypo-clearing agent product, and then one more minute. So I go full tilt. I just go, even though it has a, some films recommend more or less, and depending on your fixer. Yes. Uh, the, the more hardening the fixer, the, mm, the more you rapid have Rapid fixers really should yeah. have the longer time. But three minutes compared to an hour. You can wash your film done. for three minutes? Yes. One minute, wash. Yes. One minute, soak in permawash or your hypoclearing agent. One final minute, wash. You're done. What about a drop of um, dishwashing liquid? Just fine. That's at the end. Sheet water spots. Okay. But think of, and I have used this for years. I have negatives which are years old. I have collections of negatives from the shop I worked at. I know he used permawash. Mm-hmm. I have negatives from the 40s and the 50s. I have negatives older than that, too. I don't know <coughs> how they were handled. These I do. They look like they were done yesterday. So, and I think about, you know what, I use a lot of things in plastic, you know, okay, I'm not real big on the carbon footprint thing, but when it comes to water, I think we should conserve water as much as possible, and when I think back how much water I have not used, how much water I have saved with permawash, it has to be amazing, mm. and it's, it's not... A fill and dump, a fill and dump so many times. It's done. It's consistent, and it's done. Mm-hmm. So Very good. A point, an easy point of confusion for yes. folks who have never souped their own film before, and it, it even took me a while to figure it out. Like, whenever you hear somebody say, hypo-clear, yes. the reason, that's actually a fixer-remover. The old word for fixer used to be hypo or All hypochloride. All the old called yeah, it they, hypo. call it hypo. Mm. So, if you... Now, if you hear people say hypo, usually they're talking about hypo clear. Yes, but they're it, they're basically ooh, they're basically fixer and fixer remover. How about a little? Um, can we talk about a little uh, dark and safety? Yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. Let me start out. Sure. Okay. I know on the online groups, people will be talking about things that how they wondering what the, did they do to their negatives and they came out clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on, and there's all kinds of things that pop up in the online Facebook groups about darkroom, and, and I think the number one problem people have is that they don't label things adequately. Yes, uh, because in an, if you work in any lab, everything has to be properly labeled, and so people get lazy sometimes. You go, oh, I know that bottle's that, I know that bottle's that, or they've got a label but it's on the wrong side, and they're not looking at it. Or all the bottles look alike, and they aren't paying attention, and they for sure that they put the developer in first and not the fixer, and so it's and you know you've you spent so much 
time, well, hopefully you spent some time, taking the photographs that you owe it to yourself to not screw it up afterwards because otherwise all that work you did just goes down the drain, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things you should do is get yourself some white tape or anything or, or or if you've got like the um, little those little electronic label machines that they sell mm-hmm. now with the mm-hmm. peel off labels, label everything. Developer, fixer, stop bath if you use it. Label what developer the developer is. Don't just say developer because maybe you've got D seventy six in there, or maybe it's something else like Xtol or Accufine or Diafine. Well, and you would if you had Diafine, you'd want to label them Diafine A and Diafine B, so you know which ones you're putting in the precise sequence. It's really important to do that. And also, if you are doing a big bottle of fixer. Write down when you when you mixed it, and maybe if you want to keep little hash marks on there for every time you you uh, use it to fix a roll of film. For every roll, just put a little hash mark. So you have mm-hmm. a, then you have an idea. Oh, okay, I've done about fifty rolls on this. I I better check and see how it is. So if you've got some hypo check solution, you can do that. Um, another way of doing it is putting in a piece of a film, and watch see how long it takes to clear it. But best, the best way is just keep track. If you've been developing a long time like me, you get a feel for where you are in the, in the fixing process. Because all of a sudden, you, you've been, let's say you've been fixing things for seven or eight minutes, and you put the next roll in, and then you can pull it out, and it's not looking fixed. Time to replace your fixer. Mix up a new batch. At least put the film back in the fixer for a lot longer. It'll take a, it could take mm-hmm. quite a while, but at least you'll get it properly fixed. Improperly fixed film will cause you many problems later on. Label things adequately because not only you know people are always talking about well you can use soda bottles and and um, the um, growlers that beer come in and things like that and those are actually pretty good because they're usually. Um, brown glass those growlers and they're usually half gallons so those are great but label them so that you, people know what's in them you know someday you may have the old man's dark room someone's going to have to come by and figure out what's in the bottles and how to dispose of them it's best that they know what's in those bottles and so I've, i find that labeling is one of the big things and then we, we talk about chemical hygiene in in the in university laboratories and so forth we get checked over all the time Keep a list of what you have, and as you need to, to buy, purchase more materials, then you'll know what you're using up, and you can plan adequately for, for ahead. Instead of just saying, oh, last week I ran out of such and so, now i got to get more. And then by the time you've gotten more, you've got 10 more rolls of film to develop. So there's things like that. The other thing is go online, and you can buy yourself a big pack of nitrile gloves the size for your hand. Nutrile. Nutrile. <laughs> Italian. They're not, nut- they're not too nutrilous, I'll tell you. Um, anyway, they, um, I, when I, to be honest, when I'm doing black and white, I rarely wear gloves. But when I'm doing C41 processing, I always wear them. If I'm mixing up big batches of chemicals, I wear the gloves. If you're sensitive to, to chemicals, wear the gloves. Mm-hmm. Respect um, the chemicals and they'll respect you. Exactly, <laughs> yes. If you're dealing with silver nitrate and you're a wet plate photographer, wear the gloves. You don't want to look like you've been dipped in tar. Um, 
it's, it's a bad thing. Anything pyro. Gloves. 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 Yeah. Yes. For the love of God, gloves. Most of the things yeah. we use in their dark room are on a scale from from something you could drink to something that will dr- drop you dead are on the lower end of the scale. But there are other things you don't want exposure to, so wear the gloves. And also read up on things. Yes, Matt? Speaking of drinking chemicals, Leslie's just going to like this real quick. Oh, I probably did it in my youth, right? My dark, uh, my temporary darkroom buddy, Danny. Yeah. Yes. Never labeled. My Danny? Always tasted. Ah, what? Say that again. Danny. Explain that. Huh? Well, uh, he, 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 with- he knew many of his chemicals oh. by taste. Well, that's not going to kill you, right? <laughs> well, hopefully it won't. We don't know yet. <laughs> my Danny. How old is he? My age. Oh, okay. All right. No use leaving him. No use leaving him in my will, is there? Because he didn't have long left. Yeah, I mean, kids. Kids do wacky things. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like Danny, I, though. You know, it was a Danny God thing. God bless him. I love him. I, every time I knew that, but I did not teach him that. I know, I know you didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's best not to try and taste the chemicals. Ooh. Um, knowing it by taste takes multiple times. That's the only problem. That is I a have talent, with though. It. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, that's that's my take on chemical hygiene. Also, clean up your area when you're done oh, doing a bunch yes. of things. Sponge it. If you've got a, a table, sponge it down. Clean it off. You don't want. Concentrations of chemicals building up as they dry up on the thing. Clean out all your utensils. Clean out your your measuring devices and your beakers and all that. Wash them up. Sometimes, yes, Leslie. No, I was just going to say. Good point is fix your dries white and yes. powdery. Mm-hmm. It yes. becomes airborne then. Yeah. So. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. And so there's all the you know there's fairly simple things, but. Just be consistent, and then you won't have these unpleasant surprises like, Why did my mm. film come out clear? <laughs> uh, and, of course, we can't tell you that because we weren't always, we aren't there. We can give you some ideas, but we weren't there to see what you did or didn't do. We get a lot of letters, Why did my film come out yes. clear? Well, and also, of course. Oh, you have one. You, you, put, the, you put the black and white f- film into the chromogenic c41 developer oh, kit that's mm-hmm. that letter that is not that letter this oh, actually is another it. one that was a previous to it yeah it was you guys keep going i'm going yeah. in the bag okay bag. okay so leslie what do you have actually i've got why aren't safe lights safe Ooh. okay but they're sa- they says they're safe they're safe exactly isn't safe mean safe what are they are they out then exactly i want well, you, this, real, real quick before you guys start yeah. um when we moved into this Fairlawn facility, that my dark room, that was an open door. That was an open panel, and the landlord kindly built that room for me, mm. which is very nice. Oh, sweet! Yeah, he, that yeah. was wide open. So when they were done, they like they came and they showed me. They were so proud. They're like, "Oh, and open up, turn the light on," and they put a red bulb. Did they in the, in the you know in the uh, in the ceiling in the ceiling? And I you know I just like wow, that's very nice, you guys. Thanks, I'm all set now. That was cool. Yeah. But just, worthless, but cool. Well, but not when, worthless, oh. but... <laughs> but when you're chatting, <laughs> I mean, can you go to Party City and get a red bulb? You and can, and we'll discuss okay, good. how or when or not or if. But this, this whole segment from me, Why Aren't Safe Lights Safe, comes from a listener who sent... Possibly Mikey may afford it. Sometimes they just, they just go direct, you know. I don't know. <laughs> but he had some color film with very strange color casts and fogging on the film. Mm. And their first concern was, Rosso screwed it up when he rolled it. 
Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, I do get that quite often. Yeah. It's almost, by the way, I would say that almost 100%, almost 100% of the time it's not. That's You know, it's exactly. like I'm buying brand new film from Eastman Kodak, and that's sealed. And and if you work with us when I send you back your 20 questions, we'll find the problem. Yeah. There's yeah. so many yeah. opportunities so for many. problems. Yep. Please continue. So this was an FPP hand-rolled roll of film from the store. This guy, admittedly, is new to processing. Mm. Ah. Who is this guy? I didn't write his name down. I'm not going oh, not gonna to no. call him out here. Name names. Name names. No. <laughs> Put them in all caps. This is a show dedicated to him. Anyway, the guy admittedly admitted that he was new to processing. And in this case... We all know when you start rolling film on a reel, mm-hmm. it's it's a little scary. It's a little intimidate, intimidating. You get the film sweats if you're working in a bag on these reels. And by golly, he was given some old darkroom equipment. Mm. Okay, I've got a photographic safe light. It's safe, and it's <laughs> photographic film, and I'm going to use it. And he had the safe light on oh. when he rolled his color film oh. onto the reels. You know, it sounded so logical that you could do it. Because yes, of course, it's a safe light for photographic purposes. Right, right. Oh boy! But safe lights in general are not for film. Mm-mm. They're for processing paper, and not. And to put a finer point on it, they're not for even color paper. Nope. They're for black right. and white paper. Why not? Because we want our color films to see all colors. Right? You go outside, you want to see all colors. Those safe lights are color, light. They're light in general. And our black and white films are panchromatic. They see all colors, but only in shades of gray. So they're, again, a panchromatic black and white film with a standard traditional safe light. It's going to get fogged. You're going to ruin it. Yes, F is the big say here. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, badly. A-F. (laughs) There are exceptions We have orthochromatic films And we sell various types of these orthochromatic um, films in the FPP store Mm -hmm. They do not see red You can uh, x-ray film a lot of times too Many types of that You can develop under inspection with a red bulb A low wattage red bulb Cool, that's great But you cannot You can... You can load it, you can handle it, you can do whatever with this red ball, but proper distance, that type of thing. Well, wait. Yeah. It's a safe light, so I mean, I could just, like, could be any intensity or distance, right? No. Uh-uh. Aw. Should be f- minimum four or five feet away, never over 15 watt. More traditional seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the, the little the, round the junior ones. bulbs. The juniors. We sell those at Midwest. They Photo. sure do. Yeah. Delta. Delta ones. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's all coming back. Got a now. whole cabinet full. The of them. light bulb came on. You can also buy years ago. You could buy many different brands of safe lights that had different colors of filters that you could change them out and that safe red was always in there Mm -hmm. there's exceptions to color film and color paper but we do not have access to it there is an incredibly dim ugly green Green color that's for inspection that's for inspection it comes on you know if they drop a roll of film while they're loading it in the big processors and they have crawled around on that floor for a half hour they finally give it up and just turn that little inspection light on got it and go 
that is very dim, used for a very short time. Yes, it's usually with a foot switch, so they could just tap it yes, on and off real exactly. quick. Yeah. The guys at Kodak in maintenance, they had them on flashlights. Mm-hmm. They were a dim flashlight, just the ones in maintenance, so they could go in there too. So, commercial thing. So, the moral of the story is <laughs> you do not use safe lights for film unless it is a proper red matching a proper orthochromatic or x-ray type of film. Mm-hmm. There again, you may even get an old safe light if you're firing up a dark room. You'll find it's not red to develop paper in. It's kind of an amber brown. Orange, you glad it's not red? There you go. <laughs> There's the orange and the, and the amber brown because mm-hmm. one was... If you're going to fine-tune it, one was for graded paper and one was for not. Yep. was for um, uh, well, multi, multi-grades. And why is but that, Leslie? Why is that? I don't know. Well, because there are different levels of, of color you sensitivity. Use, you use, yes. Right. In the graded paper, you're using a colored it filter. It only sees one color of to light. To change the contrast. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're building a darkroom, just slightly shifting here, but keeping this whole safe light thing, don't paint your dark room black no no white. you paint it matte white or, or light gray or yellow that's a Tell good one why. too because one safe light bounces all around on that white light with mm-hmm. safe light if you paint it black you've got to use four times as many safe lights literally in each corner because it's absorbing your light and you can't see anything yeah, it'll get hot in there too yeah. Um, never really thought about that because mine yeah. was air conditioned so go. I guess I didn't think about it having a white one bounces a little light around on the floor mm-hmm. but it's safe light so that was just a a little um tip that goes on the end of why safe lights aren't always safe we have what's called a Ju- a kodak junior safe love light. love that little guy 7.5 oh, oh, we sell them at the fpp store you oh, still yeah. have those the little cappy ones they're no, just a plug no, it. It's no, just the a little white, little white box. Yeah, little white little box. box. Oh, okay. The new ones, yeah. They're they cute. used to make one with the base on it and the little, the no, little cap on the top. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Easy to find yet on the bay, but... Uh, yeah, they used to sell those new at Freestyle. Mm. So, yeah. The cappy ones, yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I did want to tack on yeah. uh, on the lights for those that want to make a very 21st century darkroom. Again, there's like there's good lights and bad lights on there. Now we're talking like LEDs. Mm-hmm. Fluorescence, don't do it. Don't buy any fluorescence with covers because fluorescence always bleed too much blue and green, which is exactly what darkroom papers and films see. I've heard people use them too and say that they're so incredibly dim to try and get all of that light blocked out. Doesn't have enough effect. It's worthless. But if you're going to use LEDs, so light emitting diodes, the Mm -hmm. tiny little guys, you can buy the the tape lights. You can buy little diodes and make your make your own if you're like a if you like DIYing stuff. These are a fun project. There's also different types. You can get the broadband spectrum mm-hmm. LEDs, which are white light, but they can also change colors, a little rheostat. Don't do those, because those are blue light that has different colors applied. You can get, though, they're called narrow spectrum LEDs. Mm-hmm. And these are actually somewhat safer than even traditional safe lights, because they have a little board on there that makes sure they only emit maybe 620 to 626 nanometers, which is really, really red light. So no matter how bright they get, you can still hmm. you can still run them. And it only takes a couple LEDs to really brighten up yeah, uh, a darkroom exactly. space. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you, folks. You're welcome. How about a letter? I, I'll paraphrase the, the beginning of this. This is from Andrew rhymes with shoe. <laughs> what shoe? <gasps> what shoe? Andrew 
clue, FPP. I just wanted to run a light meter situation by you. He was lucky enough. He shot approximately 30 rolls of 35 millimeter in his Nikon FM camera. Hey. Um, and he says, being a newbie, I started out very dependent on a light meter. Great. That's fine. Last month, I went to Japan for a quick getaway. Ooh. And he Hi. used Ektar 100. Gorgeous film. Beautiful film. And he was telling us that he also used some 1600 from Fuji. Uh-oh. And that's, that's <laughs> well, no, I, I, fine, I but it was very, it very bright eye. and sunny. And he noticed his meter was giving him like F-16 at one thousandth of a second with the ASA 100 film and kind of the same reading for the 1600. Hmm. I followed my light meter, though. And he goes right off a cliff. Well, since he got back to Seoul, he thought things through, compared his light meter with his iPhone app, and also thinking Sunny 16, and he goes, I I feel so dirty. I feel betrayed and ashamed relying on one option of technology. Then he goes on, but my question is, do you think putting my camera through airport security x-ray machine messed up my meter? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> no uh-uh. Because in retrospect, it literally worked fine. And this is his built-in meter on his FM. In retrospect, it literally worked up until the point that I went through the machine. And it hasn't worked properly since. Is it even possible for an x-ray machine to do something like that? No. no. Or or do I make do I make knee? Do I need to get it recalibrated like a regularly scheduled maintenance thing? N- no, not necessarily. What I think probably happened more than anything is it happened maybe during the flight getting bounced around, possibly something like that. I'm going to make the going to make the assumption that you have check the battery you can use an fm without a battery mm-hmm. and when they start to go you can get some pretty funkadelic readings yes so that's for sure. oh. it, it could be battery that happened to be on its way out i would have thought maybe it would have died completely at that point uh i'm betting it's more bouncing around jam the meter they can get kind of stuck and in flight more than anything and it might be time for a cla yeah i yeah i, I second that the, the thing is is that this camera is 40 years old at least and oh really you know unless if it's never been serviced it, things can happen and mm-hmm. um it's if you and of course since it is an fm you can use it without the meter mm-hmm. and without a battery and use an external light meter or sunny 16 and the other thing is trust your instincts if you're if you're out there shooting and something doesn't seem right with a camera, if you just go to Sunny 16, you're at least doing doing something that you sh- you could be doing, and with or without the meter. So go with that. Yep. The, it, as he admitted, he was a newbie. So listen yeah. to market. If it doesn't feel right, double check yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't wreck yourself. Yeah. Oftentimes, when I, I see a lot of Nikon cameras come into our used inventory at Midwest, or at least for evaluation, while a majority of FMs and FEs, because they're the version 2 and not the version 1, come in in good working order, the older it gets, Fs, F2s, I hardly see any of those where the meter still works. And FMs, we're already starting to hit that age where any knicker mats and mm-hmm. FMs, they're also just kind of, we assume, we assume the worst... If if it does work, great. But we, yeah. 
I took. I had a couple FMs. I took to uh, Dave's camera repair in Chelsea, and he fixed them up. That would be Chelsea, Michigan. Yes, mm-hmm. Chelsea, Michigan. Looking, if you're going to look the guy up, mm-hmm. and uh, he did a fantastic job on them. And in fact, one looks and works like new. The other thing, though, too, is that if you have an FE or an FM and some of the other Nikons, the meter is activated when your film advanced liver is offset slightly from the back of the body. If you leave it like that for overnight, it'll drain the battery. So make sure that when you're not using it, put that film advance right back at close to the top of the deck where it belongs. Can I just mention airport x-rays? Sure. Were you done? I'm done. Okay, good. So over the summer, I traveled to go see the track man in Florida. And when I came back, uh, I managed the FPP um, Facebook page. And I boldly posted, (laughs) airport x-rays and your film. Don't get the film sweats. Just pack it and go. (laughs) We've run films up to ISO 3200 (laughs) through x-ray machines with no effect whatsoever. Pictured. FPP color IR film run through six airport X-rays. Damage, none. And then I receive, then I receive this comment. You don't know what you're talking about. You bum. This is bad info. First of all, infrared is low band and X-ray is extremely high, so this isn't a good test at all. The rest of this is just anecdotal. Thank you, Matt. The truth is. Putting any film through any x-ray is rolling the dice. There are a lot of variables which you just can't control. Most times you will be okay. Sometimes you won't. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm saying I'm right. I'm saying, hey, here are two different perspectives. One is the Mike Rosso, Mark Dalzell, like, eh, whatever, don't care. And the other is, hey, man, that's bad advice. Leslie Lazenby, what do you say? It's very rare. I have seen x-ray damage. You have? Very, very rare. In all of my years retail, I don't think twice. But, yes. But, and it typically happened, it's, it's kind of a wave pattern. Yeah. Well, it depends on how it hits yeah. on the film. So yeah. this person traveled many places. This particular film got zapped a lot. Mm-hmm. The chances are really slim and none. Yeah, it could happen, but slim and none. So don't worry yourself over this. I'm somewhere between, uh, well, everybody's opinion. My, read the room. If you're in line, that's a long line, and nobody's having a good day at TSA, don't, don't sweat it. Don't, don't ask for it. Don't ask. I live a couple miles from John Glenn Airport. It's one of the chillest international airports in Ohio. They know me. They know there's a lot of film shooters. I asked for a hand check. They're pretty cool. With, oh, hey, what's that? K1000? Oh, folding SX. They, they flip My out. My dad had yeah, one th- of no, those. No, they flip. A lot of them are, there are film shooters that are Midwest customers so, uh, that work there. So read the room. You know, if, if you're just coming yeah. back from an international trip, like, eh, maybe not the time. Mark O'Brien. And these suggestions apply only to film that's going on your person Don't through the scanner and Don't through the hand check. Checked. Do not check your film in your baggage. And probably not your camera. So, so you're saying don't put your film in your baggage that gets... Put in the in the conveyor and all Why? that. Why? Because that? that gets x-rayed at oh. a much different yeah. intensity that, that's than for what sure you have. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah you're looking... And with, with the way people hand, handle stuff, if you've got your camera gear in your, check, in your checked luggage and all that, it's likely to either get banged up or stolen 
there's a great video they posted on Petapixel. It was probably a post like a couple years ago, but it, it was a slow motion video of uh, <laughs> one of the machines that like sorts the bags, and it it just looks like this 500 pound like metal plate just going bam, just like hitting the bag full force. So oh, I, I, I imagine my camera well, it's gear in there. clothes and a shaving kit. So okay, until it's a camera. <laughs> yeah, you should don't don't check camera. Oh, yeah, don't check your don't camera. Check camera. I got yeah. I got. Yeah, don't wrap the electric cord part of your curling iron in a spiral pattern around your curling iron. That looks bombish. I got. I was like, "Where's this going?" I I got pulled. Yeah, you look a little sketchy. What is that? What? What? What do we have here? Oh, and we also had tubes of coins. Tubes. Metal coins. uh, The tubes that you get, like if you go to the mint. Oh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. coiled metal, metal to them. Yeah, that got us too. Metal. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, you know, folks, uh, it's getting kind of late. <laughs> it is. Do we have any super topics well, that oh, we yeah, must well, get in this show? Well, we're going to do the half frame. Yeah. Yeah. But what about the Minolta? Oh, we'll, we'll have a Minolta thon next Minolta-thon show. Minolta thon next okay, show. And then the half frame, too. Yeah. Okay. okay. You want a book review? Let's do a book review. Okay. Let's do a book review. Let's do a book review. Let's do a book review. <laughs> okay, I'll do a book review. Please do. There's a Detroit photographer who just passed away this past September 2017. His name is Bill Rauhauser, and he was a Detroit photographer. Um, started out as an amateur, but then he um, became well-known, well-respected uh, photographer of the area. He documented... Detroit from I'd say the nineteen late thirties into the nineteen nineties, so a span of about sixty years or more. He died at the age of ninety one back in September twenty seventeen. In two thousand let's see, two thousand ten, the book came out. It's called Bill Rauhauser, Twentieth Century Photography in Detroit. It's a fantastic large book. And you can find it online and purchase it on, on Amazon. It's uh, just full of, it's about, it's over 300 pages for one. It looks like a school textbook. And it's, it's huge. Got, yes, it does look like the, the size and shape of a school textbook. But it's just got some really fantastic photographs. He was primarily a street photographer. I met him and he signed this book back in 2000. I don't forget when I was there. I guess the year it came out, 2010. It's just a delightful book. He, you might call him uh, Detroit's Hank Carter. Delightful street photography. I highly recommend it. It's just really a pleasure to, to leaf through and see some of these images documenting the daily life of people in Detroit, things going on with parades and, and uh, around, the, around Wayne State University as well, uh, people fishing along the uh, Detroit River, people in parks, uh, just just documenting some of the things that, that have happened in Detroit over the past 60 or, 60 or so years. It really is a, a pleasure. And he was also a, a fixture at the Detroit Auto Show. And it's a, kind of um, amazing to see these images from the 70s and the 80s with the models with the cars that were, they were showing off. And they're just <laughs> incredible because they were so extravagant, just kind of off the wall in some ways. So it's worth a, It's definitely worth a, a good read through, and it was, it was put out by St. Paul's Press in Livonia. I tried finding them online; it didn't come up. 
But the books are out there brand new on Amazon, and they're about uh, 40 bucks, 49 bucks, brand new. And did you get that at a book signing? Yes, oh, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. And he was there. He was there, yeah. How many years ago was that? Uh, eight years ago. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much, Mark. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us on this fantastic show. <laughs> what show? <laughs> Talked about a lot of uh, cool topics. If you have a question or comments, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh, please do visit our website, filmphotographyproject.com, where you can see our show notes. You can find our store, our blogs. Uh, we're also on social media, Film Photography Podcast on Facebook, Film Photography Project on Instagram. Come do check us out. Hey, you know, if you hit me up on Facebook like, hey, man, I want to be your friend, <laughs> got to send me a message. Because I get so many friend Won't requests. You be my friend. Just, just tell me who you are. Hey, I listen yeah. to the FPP. Because when you do a friend request, you can put a message. You in. can. Yes. yes. Ditto That's for, for Matt Marash or Leslie Lazenby or uh, Mr. Mark O'Brien. Mark, do you get a lot of friend requests, and do you do you vet people or just let them in? No, I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty choosy just because I don't really want a whole ton of people. They're welcome to follow me if right. they want, but I'm not going to friend them. Right. Okay. Unless right. I know them. Yeah, I consider yeah. Facebook kind of pers- it's my personal page. Uh-huh. Like anybody can right. go to the Film Photography right. Podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a group. That's a, f- a page for you to go to. Right. But my personal page, I feel like I have to know you. But people have different opinions about that. Yeah, they do. They do. They yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Making too too big you of might a deal. Not like my sense of humor. If you oh. <laughs> yeah, I would avoid Mark O'Brien's page. <laughs> <laughs> Googly eyes. Oh yes. Folks out there listening, I mentioned a few podcasts ago. It's still time for you to go to Amazon Prime and listen to and listen to and watch. No, no, I'm not going to talk about the FPP. <laughs> the Dutchman. <laughs> the Dutchman. I'm not going to talk about the FPP Happy Holiday Show. It's past that. I was talking about Where the Air is Cool and Dark. If you haven't seen it yet, Where the Air is Cool and... Oh, I'm, I'm actually going to give Leslie's writing down. Where the Air is Cool and Dark... It's a very good film shot in the Pacific Northwest. VHS Revolution. It's a documentary made by a French... I'm in it. Oh, I'll give it an eyeball then. Yes, made by a French documentary film group. And it really gives a lot of um, context to the impact that VHS had on our culture because that was the first time that we were able to record and see a visual moving medium in the home yes. in the privacy of our own That's home right. and in countries like Poland and a few other countries that had very much a lockdown on like that were not free films and documentaries were bicycled underground and people in, got to see things oh wow that they could not see Elsewhere, Same thing goes for even the UK, where things were very strict, especially in entertainment. Uh, horror films like Texas Chainsaw and films that we just take for granted. You know, we may laugh about films like, oh, remember that Faces of Death in the 80s? Oh, yeah, that was fun. Well, UK, they were banned. So the only way you could see them were people would bicycle them underground. So VHS actually had a much larger impact on culture. And this documentary, and I'm not saying this because I'm in it. I just happen to be in it. 
I was shocked when I saw it. I'm like, oh my god, that, that's re- that's really very very interesting. So I thought it was a very good documentary, and it's only 54 minutes. So you're not like you're in, you're not like you're investing in a Ken Burns documentary. Yeah, short and sweet. Yes, exactly. There's no part ten. No, <laughs> short and sweet. That's all I have to say. Hey, folks, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Please do send us an email. We'd love to hear from you of what you're going to be doing in 2018. Can you believe it? No, I can't. 2018. Pretty soon, Matt, we're going to be sitting here with space helmets on. Seriously. Be like. When, welcome to the Film Photography Podcast in the year 2020. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> see you so, guys. So yes. what, what's your resolution for, for resolution. 2018? 35mm? 120? 4x5? 8x10? 240 lines per millimeter. 480 Retro. Retro resolution. I'm all about movie film. I, I want to get my hands on a brand new... Kodak Ektachrome Super 8 cartridge. Where is that Ektachrome? <laughs> Super 8 cartridge or Film Ferrania Super 8 cartridge. Oh, no, I need the Ektachrome. It's my favorite color film. Yeah. So. Is it? Ektachrome was my favorite was favorite slide by, by far. Hmm. We'll see everyone real soon.
Sleep. 